right, and we are rolling. Episode 24 of Chasing 69, a New York Jets podcast. And boy, oh boy, we've got a special event today. Alongside me, as always, Teddy Pristash, but we got two others joining the podcast today. We got Scott Graham, Mike Michelli, and uh, boys, it's an AFC East preview. How are we all doing today? (laughs) <laughs> nothing this is perfect scott how well, are you doing today? today there all right scott, I, I, how, how are you out, otherwise we'll how's your day going i'm i'm doing well great great work a week i'm I'm calling myself the um the, the great slambino um so can't Why complain you been, that because i've been slamming a ton of deals at work so i just i can't wait for football to start memorial day weekend or labor day weekend coming up spending five days at the lake and then lead into thursday night football and i cannot Damn. cannot wait to get football on and talk about football we've been doing we've pretty much done this entire podcast like 10 times over the last three <laughs> weeks in the group chat so yep. it's, it's glad we're gonna have something kind of out there in the ether for everyone to listen to um and i don't want people to get annoyed with the patriots talk because everybody else whenever i talk to them does so please don't fast forward through my parts <laughs> i'm worried about this that is, this is gonna be homer yeah this like is gonna be like in the jets podcast yeah well i feel like this is just gonna end up being like an hour and a half glimpse into what our daily conversations are like um because we are part of the the dr locks group chat and uh you know mike i did i did i go miscelli on you there by accident at the beginning i did it okay cool mike how are how are you doing today i got i'm ready man unlike scott you know i'm not the great slam being i've actually been kind of uh rushing through this week looking forward to tonight Uh, um you know same same as scott you know ready for the season to start kind of feel like i've been rushing through august just you know reading all this preseason hype and you know there's so much to read everyone's talking about the bills now so you know, i'm kind of just ready ready to see it happen yeah every podcast that we've been doing teddy and i started off like hey we're almost at football season we're almost at football season it's next <laughs> fucking week uh teddy how excited are you we finished up preseason recently we got all the rosters cut down this is a a perfect time to do this afc east preview interview or AFC East preview podcast because around this time is when my expectations for the Jets start slowly becoming more realistic. So yep. like all all offseason, I'm like the Jets are gonna be awesome. Like they're gonna be top ten. Like and then I get to here and I'm like maybe they'll win six or seven games. Um, so I think it's just good that we're gonna like get a glimpse into the division as a whole and kind of it's easy to forget the context of how good other NFL teams are when you're just thinking about the jets from three years ago compared to them now, you know? So um, I think it'll be fun. And I think as optimistic as me and all these other jets fans are, I think it's important that we remember that, you know, there's a lot of really other good, good teams in here. Definitely. Yeah. And so a little bit for uh, the the rundown today, we're just going to go team by team. The reason we have these two on Mike, is our resident Buffalo Bills fan, Scott, our New England Patriots fan. Um, and we're all going to kind of talk a little bit about the Dolphins as well, too. I've got some stuff that I want to share, and I'm sure you guys have some opinions on them as well, too. Um, we'll hit some Jets stuff. Teddy were, and I were talking before, and we're not really going to go too much into the roster that they've you know cut down to or preseason game three. I think that stuff better save maybe toward next week as we prepare for the season and talk uh, full year expectations. But we're just going to run through team 
by team, give some uh, predictions at the end as well, too. And then uh, I was going to throw this out here. I think personally, because we're all experts on our football teams and on the AFC East here, that we just take a look and we we keep note of our records that we predict for each team in the division. And maybe it's even standing. And then whoever has the worst or most inaccurate predictions for the division owes the boys a dinner the next time that we're all in town together. And I didn't bring this up beforehand because I was going to think that one of us was going to back out and call us pussies for doing that. Um, but uh, what, what do we think? How we, how we feel about a little competition here? I'm in for that. I'm in. Perfect. I'm in. I knew this was yep. going to happen <laughs> with these, with this crowd. So I'm in as well. After we got it, we got to put Scott's, you know, I think I might be, uh, I think we might be fine here. <laughs> okay, perfect. I love this. Awesome. All right. Well, you know what, Mike, we're going to start right off with you because the Bills obviously are the class of the division now. Um, huge season last year. Team really takes that next step. Allen Diggs connection becomes one of the top duos in the league. Um, the offense is fantastic. The defense is strong, albeit some injuries and, and some ups and downs throughout the year. They, they finished the season in the most heartbreaking fashion uh, that you can imagine just not getting your hands on the football in an overtime playoff game and, and Kansas city moves on taking a look now after being a, a team in the division. And even, you know, if you want to go conference, that was always uh, second fiddle to, you know, the, the Patriots who had this long enduring dynasty. What, how does it feel, you know, with the tide turning in the direction of Buffalo being the team to beat in this division? No, it feels good. Um, but it's as quick as it comes, it goes. So, you know, last season, that playoff game against the Patriots, a perfect game. That was awesome. Kind of the way it, I feel like that was almost like the uh, the peak, right? And then, you know, you go into that Chiefs game, kind of heartbreaking. And then everyone's talking about the Bills all offseason. So now you have to live up to these expectations, right? Um, you know, Dolphins obviously got better new coach. Trade for Tyreek. You know, the expectations there are high. So it's, you know, it's tough. Um, obviously, it's a great spot to be in. But sometimes it's it's almost nicer to be you know come on from behind. So expect big expectations. You know the good uh, good roster. They made a lot of acquisitions. So we'll see kind of see what happens there. Yeah, Winning and then Scott is a hard hard task. Yeah. You know? Oh, definitely. And yeah. then Scott uh, on the flip side of that, you know, being able to watch. You know, you just were born into this dynasty at the right time. And and even my little brother, who's a Patriots fan, and you two love hyping each other up over the Patriots. You just were born into this lucky situation where you didn't have to deal with the misery of the Patriots before you just got success. Now it's been in this turn, and we'll get to your team more in depth a little bit later, where it's it's not as guaranteed that you guys are going to be this team always in the mix. When you take a look at Buffalo, what's that kind of transition been like the last few years where you're like, oh, shit, there's actually somebody we have to worry about? Yeah, I definitely liked when all the other teams stunk way more. Um, <laughs> that made, that made, made life a lot easier. Um, but, I mean, it's, having the hype of a rookie quarterback is, pretty cool like i mean i'd rather have tom brady for the remainder of his career like that you could have tom brady or a first round quarterback from alabama i'm taking tom brady i don't care who the quarterback is going to be um but i mean it's it's different it's interesting i like being able to be i guess like for, for lack of a better uh, phrase like a real fan having a quarterback that you don't know is going to do well just hyping them up for for what i've made fun of mostly Jets and Bills fans in a lot of the NFL for the last 15 years of, oh yeah, this is going to be the year. This is the guy, whatever. And being on the other side, it's, it's really fun to, to hype them up. 
Um, I do love Mac Jones. I don't really have any reason not to, um, but this is, we're not talking about Mac Jones yet, but um, it's, it's definitely tough seeing the Bills be an absolute powerhouse dominant force. Like they have what the Patriots never had in, in terms of like those star players that are going to stick around for a long time. The, the Pats would sign Randy Moss or they'd have these big dudes on defense, but like having the, the Josh Allen, the dual threat, the, the Stefan Diggs, I mean, Gabe Davis is phenomenal. McKenzie, you look at their running backs, so you don't, you don't need to use them that much, but they're very efficient and they do, they do what they need to do. So there's really, it's really hard to pull coals in it, which is tough from being a, a rival in the, in the division. So um, not as much fun as it has previously, but I'm, I'm excited for the uphill battle um, for, for the, the last couple of years and for at least the next probably two, three years until they'll rise above the Bills. Right. And then, Teddy, I mean this in a in a joking way, because you've never really gotten to experience either of these situations. But when you take a look at what it's been like, is there, you know, with, with the Brady Belichick dynasty, it's like you had just it was this year after year of just like, fuck, we just are not going to get past this team. The Bills are on that come up and, you know, McDermott and Allen seem like they are going to be around for a while. Is there any. I don't want to say hope, but what, what are your thoughts on, I guess, just looking at those two teams in the division after just being like, we finally are off of this Patriots thing where every year they're a wagon and it's like, oh, fuck, now the Bills are a wagon. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how hopeful I am that the Bills aren't going to like just continue to be good for at least the next like three to four, you know, even that seems like a short prediction. Um but what I will say is for a long time of my life, it was, I mean, Scott was born into this like great time where the Patriots have just always been great. That's when we were born as well. So it was just so annoying that it was always the Patriots, always Tom Brady. So when the bills had their come up, I was kind of like about it, you know, cause I was like, good for them. It's not the Patriots at the top of the division anymore. Um, and now it, it just, it's like annoying because again, we talk about all the optimism for this team and like the roster, but there's these great teams that they have to get over. And I think new England being the domino to fall would be like the most ideal if they could just be bad for once. Yeah. I'd love for Mac Jones to just not be good. That would make me really, <laughs> really, really happy. Um, but yeah. And I do want to say you wrote, what's it like never having that. I w there's no way we were ever projected to beat the Patriots, but I remember the year after the 2010 year that we went to the AFC championship before that season, I had a magazine and who did it predict to be the Super Bowl winners, the jets. So I've lived wow. it a little. <laughs> so you've had a, you've had a slight peak there where you, you just held on yeah. to this glimmer of hope. Good. Well, Mike, to bring it, to bring it back to the bills, you know, now that you take this step and you're like, okay, we're one of the you know top teams in the league. You still got to get past Kansas City. There are other teams in the conference as well, too. The Chargers that have made a lot of additions. Um, you know, you got Miami coming up. The AFC North is strong. Cincinnati, you know, and, and their run. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, still going to be good teams as well, too. One of the biggest things that I think was missing from the Bills was that constant pressure up front. You know, you think back to the Colts game, at least from what I watched, and, and you guys were dominated in the ground game. Jonathan Taylor, five touchdowns. He was just running the ball down your guy's throat. And then it's containing those quarterbacks on the edge, too. And you need a strong edge presence. You guys go in and you bring over Von Miller, who just won a Super Bowl with the Rams. He's kind of the marquee addition for you guys this offseason. 
maybe, you know, there's a question about him specifically or the defense as a whole. How do you feel about that kind of working together to take that next step? I love it. And I love that they got Von Miller. Um, I know be- before they got him, you know, Chandler Jones is out there. The Cleo Mack deal happened. And, you know, I was kind of like butting my finger. And I was like, all right, we're going to get one of these guys. Cause that was like, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest issues or, you know, focus areas in the off season. Right. And then when they got Von, I was like, holy crap. Like not only is he going to make an impact on the field, he's, you know, he's, he's old, but he still obviously won a Super Bowl, and, you know, still performs in the playoffs. But I feel like just the impact he's going to have on all these other young defensive defensive linemen and defensive ends is going to be, you know, you, you can't really put a, a price tag or anything on that. Um, and I think, you know, they'll get home. They've always gotten that pressure. You know, that was the one th- big thing last year was they got a lot of pressure, but they never, you know, never got to the quarterback. So I think he's going to, he's going to help with that. Yeah. I wanna, and there's a, I ahead. just want to jump in quick on Vaughn um, just because I think it's, it's the same thing that happened last year. And, and there's a lot of guys that like kind of fall into this category where, it's like, oh, they're someone who was great, who, you know, isn't at their peak anymore. They're kind of old, but they come and they can be like, okay, like that's kind of the expectation that was put on him last year. That's the expectation that's been put on him this year. I mean, he was awesome last year, especially in the playoffs yeah. when it mattered. Like he He's was a, a star. It's not like he was just like, oh, a pretty good player. He was great. So, I mean, for the Bills, you look at, oh, the Rams just signed him and it, put their defense to the next level and help them win a Super Bowl. And now the bills go and it's one of their biggest needs and they get him. I mean, I think, I think in the narrative, it's always, you always feel compelled to be like, Oh, he's old, but he's still just always been good. Like he is obviously old, but he's just good as fuck. Right. And then kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about like expectations, like you got a guy who's, who's done it twice, right? He's got two yeah. Super Bowls, you know, he's been two different around the for a well. while. Yeah, two different teams, so you know he can have that impact. Yeah. Um, you need, you you need to guy, keep those you need guys, guys feet on the yeah, ground. You need guys who have been there to yeah you know, to really kind of put, put you over the top. And it's so you, it's one thing for a player at that age to just be like, hey, I'm going to put you on the Houston Texans, and you need to be our premier edge. He's joining a team that's that's got a deep front seven. You know, it's got young guys that you've drafted the last few years at Oliver in the middle. You've got um, do you, you guys drafted Karloftis recently? No, who'd you Epinesa no, two years ago? Epinesa, yeah, yep. Epinesa. So He's there's young really guys in there. Good talk out of camp from him too. So we'll see. Perfect. Scott, what were you going to say? Yeah. the I mean, I can't let all this hype go up without kind of trying to <laughs> find, find a little in plan in there. Um, I remember when it happened, like the deal six years for a 33 year old, pretty nuts. Um, obviously he's got an opt out. They're probably not going to pay him after that, but his cap hit, I'm, I'm looking at this article here so I can get my facts right from one of your coworkers, Jarrett Bailey at um, sports illustrated Blake. Nice. Um, he, uh, He's, the cap hits are, are kind of nuts, and I don't know. I mean, you don't obviously. If you win Super Bowls, who gives? Who, who cares about the cap hit? You know, like it's not your money as a fan and the owners. If you have owners who spend, it's awesome. Um, for next year, it's only going to be fifteen million. Um, is, is what it says, or no, five point fifteen million. So like really, really low for this year. But after this year in twenty twenty three, it jumps up to eighteen point seven, and then twenty one point two in twenty twenty four. So I mean, at what point do you? start to get a little like you got digs on the book you got Allen on the book you got a 30 at that time 35 year old von miller on the books you're gonna have to pay some of these other dudes i wonder at what point for the bills that signing it's almost like yeah i mean if you win a super bowl it's all water under the bridge no one's gonna say anything but if if they fail they don't win the super bowl are you gonna pay von miller 21 million dollars in 2024 that's 
a lot of money to pay a 36-year-old dude when you have other young guys on the book. That's my I only – I somewhat agree with you, but also, I mean, you look around the league with the way that these teams can manipulate caps, like yeah, it, you can right. get out of that pretty, pretty easily. It's a pretty front-loaded deal. Um, yeah. I think Allen's deal doesn't hit for another two years, or maybe it's next year. I don't, Blake, correct me on that. I think like it's. I think it starts next year. Next yeah, year. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's a good point. Not even just, I guess you know, not even just focusing on Von Miller, but you know, there's guys coming up that are going to have to get paid too. Ed Oliver's going to have to get paid. Gabe Davis is going to have to get paid. I think that's kind of. I think I would redirect your point to there that that would be a concern. Has Poyer gotten paid yet? Nope. He's got to get paid, and then there's another dude I always forget, other than Trady. Uh, White. Who's the other? I could see Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde, yeah. He already got paid. Gotcha. I could see that. I mean, those are some good dudes already getting paid. You guys pay Edmonds yeah. yet? We're, we're just going to run through every yeah, guy. Yeah, right. Defense, but <laughs> so who do they pay? got paid yet. Okay. I what think, awesome. I think, I think I think Edmonds could walk too. I could see that yeah. happening. Thank God the Rams did what they do to at least give you guys like a blueprint or something because I would have no clue what to do there. I'd be like, what the fuck? Money literally doesn't matter. Right. And that's the hope. I mean, it's like in the short term, you want him out there all the time, but you're also hoping maybe some of these guys that we've drafted, you know, invested in behind start to become premier names where he's not as um, necessary to the team. So, you know, when you can start to cut away that money, you can do it. Um, but then, that's you know, only flaw I could find. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. We had to get a little edge in there. Um, so then to redirect that to you, Mike, I guess, taking a look at the team, is there an area heading into the year that you're, you know, position group wise, you're a little bit worried about? Number one to be cornerback. I think we kind of hit on that yeah. earlier, just with Trey being out for at least the first four weeks now, they put him on pup today. Um, you know, that's going to be, you got a, a rookie, Kyrie, which, you know, I think he's fully capable, but, you know, played in the SEC. He's got that, you know, big game mentality, but still a rookie. He's going out for week one to be against Robinson and Cup. Like, you know, that's going to be a tough, tough matchup. And then week three, he's got to go Tyreek Waddle. Like, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, and the depth there is, I think, you know, the Elijah Moore, strong. Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis. That's going to be tough. <laughs> forgot about, forgot about them. And yep. born. Um, but I, I think that's my, that's... Didn't, didn't forget about Kendrick Bourne. Did not the forget about that. him. Clip that. <laughs> but in terms of position group i think cornerback is probably the one and only that i would say the only other thing that is not position but i kind of put into this category would be coaching um you know they got a new offensive coordinator yeah so you know whenever you have any sort of coaching turnover you know you got to think about that and also there's no hiding behind how last year ended uh you know with the kickoff debacle and all this stuff and we still don't really have an answer for for what happened obviously the special teams coordinator was fired so there's a little bit of you know clue there but you know that's that's always going to be a question yeah that's that's the one story you know the offensive coordinator leaving the quarterback that like the two of them spent all their time kind of ascending together the hope is at the very least you just like this is what we've learned so we're just going to keep this part of the offense I, I never you know you're never you never want it to be like he's solely dependent on the coordinator and, uh, you know, hopefully he's not because, you know, as you've seen year after year, he's only gotten better. Um, but mm -hmm. it is that one thing where you're like, if if they're trying to change up the offense too much, you're like, okay, what's going to go on here? Um, Quick Dorsey, question. Dorsey was his guy. Like, Dorsey, oh, like, sorry. He, sorry. He, he handpicked Dorsey. Like, that was his kind of vote. So, and he's right. been there for a while. So, I, I, I think it'll be fine. But it is, you know, it's, it is a concern. 
my question is the bills obviously like throw the ball a lot i'm not sure if they were first in the league or like very close to that do you think they're going to throw the ball even more or kind of dial it back with the new guy dorsey um i don't know if it'll be in terms of more or less they probably will throw the ball more but i just think their running game will be a little bit more dynamic they got you know yeah new offensive line coach so i think like Cromer, like they're they got a new a few new offense linemen as well. So I think it'll just be a little more dynamic and then with Cook yeah. as well. So I don't know about in terms of like quantity. Um I've been hearing some I, rumblings that they're just gonna like pass, 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 you know, which obviously they're great at. So I just want right. to and I think I think the Allen runs are gonna go away. I think that's because I mean Allen really? he had a lot of runs last year in games that you know he didn't really need to be doing that. So I could definitely see that you know, in terms of quantity of runs, the runs will just go more to the running backs as opposed mm-hmm. to, to Allen. I was going to say, you they got to make a point of emphasis to not let Josh get hit unnecessarily. Like, I mean, I, I'm not an NFL coach. I don't know how, like, they factor all that stuff in there, but it just seems like I understand keeping the defense honest, but like a second and six run with Josh Allen in a game in week four, like, I just feel like some of those plays there, they might just shy away from or do something a little different to, I mean, he takes some hits. He's a big dude. He lays the wood himself. But, I mean, taking it just takes one unnecessary hit, and you're going to have the entire city of Buffalo at your throat for, for that hit if it's a situation that people seem unnecessary no matter what the game plan was or the script was. But that's what I would say. They just they got to make that a point of emphasis to not the unnecessary hits to just kind of weed them out a little bit. It does help that he has the body of a fullback, too. Um, so, you know, like, it's not like Kyler or Lamar or some of these other guys, Tua, you know, that are just throwing their bodies around. You know, he is fucking bricked up. He is a, a tough guy to bring down. So I at least think that he's got that to him. But, yeah, obviously, you give the man, you know, all the money you give him, you know that you you winning is attached to him. You do have to to, to keep him upright. Um, Mike. One last question, I guess, before we transition onto the Patriots. Is there a player on the team that, that you know, has been gaining a lot of buzz in camp or a guy that you're really excited to see that might not be as well-known? Yeah, I'm going to give you two guys, one on offense, one on defense. Um, offense is Khalil Shakir. I don't know if he's underrated. I know there's yeah. been a lot of talk about him, but he's a rookie, so I kind of consider him underrated, hasn't done it yet. Um, I don't know if he'll be, like, you know, super fantasy relevant in terms of the stat line, but I think he's a guy that's going to come to the league, be able to get open quick sure-handed you know get you a third and four like he's your fourth receiver on the field I think that's you know very crucial to have on a team like this and then also on defense I'd say Tim Settle you know we talked about the Colts game earlier the Titans game last year like where they yeah. just got gashed for these big runs the Pats game Damian Harris like you can list off the you know one big run every game that just you know gashes them so I think he'll be a big part in the middle it's a big dude who, give me you know, his position give me his position uh, defensive tackle oh word word yeah. All right, nice. So that's a big dude in the middle. He's gonna be able to move some bodies around. So we'll see. That Good. one big run in the, the Patriots game when it was the uh, negative twenty degrees was the like the first points of halftime. I think it was, or did it lead to the only? I think it led to the only touchdown. That was the only, yeah, it was the only touchdown of the game. It was that what like fifty yard run. That was literally it. That let like essentially was the game. What a crazy game. Yeah, that's a game should have happened, but see, and I, I just. <laughs> And I just hear big run Patriots game. And I think of Jonathan Taylor, just ripping that game winner off in Lucas oil stadium. That, that felt great, Scott. I, I'm, I'm going to sneak in my, playoffs, didn't they? I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, 
<laughs> All right, moving on. Any more Bills talk before we move on to the Patriots? Fuck. Nah. All right, good. Em. All right. Well, now Scott, you got, you got me mad. So let's talk about your offense. This is going to give me some comfort here. The New England Patriots. Yep. Um, it seems like every report. I hear, you know, almost daily at the very least weekly is just the offense is not looking good. And there's a lot of reasons you can say for that, you know, whether it's throwing in there, Matt Patricia and uh, what's the the other fucker's name? Um, Joe Judge. Yeah, Joe Judge. It's, It's just throwing those two in there when they don't have any offensive experience. And at the end of the day, yes, Bill has his input into it. But now you've got Josh McDaniels, who's in Vegas. The offensive line apparently doesn't look as strong either. The receivers are still struggling. It does just seem that the offense as a whole is a little bit worrisome. And when you hope for a young quarterback, it's that hope that you're giving him continuity. And he's having to deal with a lot of changes here. When you take a look at the offense as a whole, and even if you just want to look at the play calling, where do you stand You know, a, a week before the season kicks off? So my biggest top out that I've had forever is just like Bill Belichick in the Patriots. Like they're gonna figure it out. Right. Um, it's starting to get like it's like Ted when he was mentioning earlier, like the real the like realization of what's actually gonna happen kind of sets in. The fandom kind of fantasy start to creep out, and you're like, oh shit, the season's in a week and a half, and we do have Matt Patricia and Joe Judge on the sidelines on the offensive side. Uh, Mike, if you do need a special teams coordinator, Joe Judge is at the ready. <laughs> To get, to get the hell off of the sidelines. Um, but no, it, that was one of the biggest things is like the, the Patriots additions this year. And it's like, well, or um, they got Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, but it's more subtraction by addition. I mean, they they don't have any offensive experience. Patricia just, I mean, he's kind of like a joke in the NFL. Like he has the, the pencil and the clipboard and he goes to, he tries to be Bill Belichick. And when coaches try to be Bill Belichick, they fail. Like, you can't do that. I mean, Joe Judge tried to do it at the Giants. They would be running laps and doing this, like things that you associate with Bill Belichick, and you just can't do it. So I'm hoping they take a step back when they kind of back to, like, essentially in their place on the Patriots. Like, you don't have to be the big dog. You don't have to make the decision. Just do your job. Do what you're good at, and, and the rest will fall. So I'm really hoping that Joe, or, um, Bill Belichick was a lot like the man behind the curtain with the Josh McDaniel stuff. So – he won't like necessarily feel like the impact of him leaving because there was Bill Belichick the whole time. Um, I do have this one quote in here. I was actually doing the, doing some prep and research on it. Um, and it was, I came across the screen at work and it said, ultimately I'm responsible for all of it. I have the final say in everything. Um, so it's, I believe in Belichick until we can't believe in Belichick anymore. That was a quote for Blake. And I don't know why, why I would stop believing in him. It's just I'm a little more skeptical this year than I have in the past due to the all the changes in the, the second year quarterback. Um well that's that's where I stand on on the coaching staff. I I just we're gonna have to see where it goes and if it starts to starts to crumble, I just might have to might have to eat it and say, Well yeah, we had Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. And if we're doing well, I'm just gonna say, Well, it was Bill Belichick the whole time and, and kind of cop out on on that way. But we'll, we're gonna have to see a lot, at least the first the first six weeks, will, I think, will be a decent indicator of what needs to change or what what is working. 
and that's the the weird thing about it is it's just one of these situations where we've just literally we've never seen this before yeah. where it's like we're just gonna have guys take on new jobs they have zero experience in and just see how it goes and teddy it, it makes me think about other teams and, and nobody is it, i mean there's there's like people that are panicking a little bit about the situation but like you said scott it's like a hey it's bill belichick it's the greatest coach of all time the best to ever do it let's just play out the season and see how it goes can you imagine teddy you know if you're heading into the jets season in 2021 and you have two coaches you know, putting together a young offense with maybe not the best playmakers out there in the world. And you'd have two guys calling plays that just have never had any experience. Like, can you imagine what that reaction would be in, in New York? It sounds like something we've probably done that I just like, wasn't aware of. Adam Gase. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest, obviously the media and the fans would be like way more up in arms, way more like, oh, these guys are going to stink. I think the biggest difference is like in what would have actually happened. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Patriots because I kind of, you know, same as Scott with like the why, why would you doubt the Patriots and Bill Belichick every year? It seems like we always want to. And like every year it's not worked out. Obviously they don't Brady anymore, but still like that's just kind of how it goes. Um, but like if the jets did this, they would be horrible. They would be like one in 15. Like that's just what would happen, you know? So I think that's the biggest difference. And I think that's, I mean, I've been friends with Scott since, I don't know, eight years ago, seven years ago, we've watched football together basically that whole time. And that was the most I've ever heard him be doubtful and pessimistic of the Patriots in my life, you know? And it's like, it really does stem back to Brady. And also last year with uh, last year was the first year. It's like, okay, it's not Brady. It's a rookie. Maybe they'll crumble and, you know, they have a winning record and they make the playoffs. Um, so now I got to hope for year two lack of continuity. Hopefully they crumble, you know, and, and I've yet to be right so far, but maybe this is the year. And to your credit, at least, I mean, they started off the season, what were they, nine and four? So there was a late season crumble there, at least. They yeah. still snuck in there. But, you know, then you take a look. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if nine and four, but they, I remember like being like, oh, I heard that somewhere this any. morning. I don't think it was nine and four, but they were, they looked good and they looked like it's like, oh, so we're not going to skip a beat at all. Like it's just going to yeah. keep right. on moving. But I mean, the late, later in the season, quarterbacks get better, teams get better. The, what Tom Brady or an experienced quarterback would improve from week seven to week 13 is going to be way more than what Mac Jones would do. He doesn't know what to look for. He doesn't see the coverage. He doesn't know the player's tendencies. So I, I think it's fitting for a, a rookie quarterback. Like teams learn him. They learn what the Patriots are trying to do with him, take, take him away. Um, so I, I think that to a lot of teams credit figured out, okay, he's, this is where we can get him. So. I'm hoping I'm hoping year two. Um, I don't know if we had any more comments on that, but it, it did lead into one of my one of my next points about Mac and, and the Patriots offenses. I just want to see him be more aggressive. He's got a pretty ball. Like you've seen his that deep pass. I don't know if you guys saw that pass on on the sideline about two two games ago. I think it was the second preseason game. Like 55 air yards, just dropped it right in the bucket. I do want to see more of that. Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, two like both their second years in the system. I'm really hoping they pick it up more and we, we utilize them more. Um, 
And then with like Devontae Parker, I mean, cool. We got Devontae Parker. He's not a stud, but maybe he's just that big target. The Patriots, he's an upgrade in Nikhil Harry. He's a big guy. can go up and get the ball. Um, so if he just takes some more shots, um, he's very really good about not making dumb plays. He takes his chances as you want a rookie. You want him to throw picks like Zach Wilson. You want, you want him to try to make those throws that probably can't make, but at least he's thinking about it. And he's like, I'm going to make that throw. He's not just hitting the check down, hitting the slant. Um, so with, with Mac, just seeing him become more aggressive, and I hope the play calls kind of allow him him to do that in a way. Well, and there's this this new thing with, with the NFL, and it's a smart thing because offenses seems to be leading the way. But when you have a young quarterback and you're like, we're just going to commit to this guy, the plan is to surround him with all this talent. We can all agree the worst quarterback and well, I, I guess maybe it's a toss up. Some people would maybe want to say Zach, but the worst quarterback in this division to me is still Tua. And yet yeah. they're probably going to have nice. a really good season because they draft Jalen Waddle at six because they traded for Tyree kill because they bring in an offensive coordinator. That's one of the smartest guys in the game. Josh Allen, they go get him. Stefan Diggs. you know, Justin Herbert's got great receivers burrow. They draft Jamar chase at five instead of a tackle when they have the worst offensive line in the league and they end up in the super bowl. So it's like when you have a quarterback that you say, okay, we're going to commit to this guy surrounding him with weapons is the number one thing to make sure that that goes well. You guys have spent a ton of money, but the names are always so uh, bad. Bill, they're they're so Bill Belichick. It's like he's taking <laughs> yeah. shots on guys that you you would rather trade for Stefan Diggs. You would rather trade for Tyreek Hill instead of you know signing Hunter Henry to a big contract or bringing in you know Kendrick Bourne. When you take a look at the skill players, are, are is there concern offensively when you look at all these teams that have really great offenses? Do you look and say these weapons? Like I understand we're spending money, but it's I would rather have more talented guys. A hundred percent, and then especially when you look into like if we're focusing mainly in division, I mean you look at the Finns; they've got a phenomenal secondary. Um, Grind, do they still have Grimes? Are they who's their their stud corner? Who They've got Byron Jones, Xavier Howard. Howard. Yep. So you look at them. You look at the Bills. I mean, we we've, we've touched on already. I mean, Micah Hyde, Hoyer, Trey White. When he comes back, you look at the Jets. They drafted Scott Gardner. Like you take off the Patriots, you take off even if you eliminate one of the threats. What do you have left? You can put your number two cornerback on Devontae Parker, most likely, or have the safety help over the top, or you you eliminate one of the Patriots' threats, and then you're like, okay, so. We got Jacoby Parker, Kendrick Bourne out of the game. Now where are they going? We have to hit the tight end. We have to run the ball. So it, it almost makes them more one-dimensional without having a real stud receiver or a a couple of good, really good receivers. So yeah, definitely stinks. Um, <laughs> the Patriots way forever. I mean, we'll sign Randy Moss at the end of his at the end of his year. I mean, we'll we got obviously got drafted dudes like Gronk and Edelman um, but if we don't you don't go and get those players they they sign the the defensive players and the defense I mean we're probably not going to touch on them much just because it's most it's an offensive league um but their their defense is phenomenal they always sign dudes and they, they've got a beast of a defense and that's what's essentially going to keep them in the game right that was I, I we didn't really have any talking points here defensively just because I feel like if there was one thing that I trust is that Bill Belichick is going to have a at least a, an above average defense, and it's deep up front. The linebacking core is a little thin, I'd say, and and, and they've let some guys go. But 
young guys in the secondary that are really talented. I know, you know, a couple injuries at cornerback. Um, but I would assume for the most part, still going to be a pretty solid defense. Is there anything that you wanted to mention about them defensively or is it kind of. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on them real quick. Um, I just, cause I did make notes of it. I mean, Jalen Mills is there really good corner. I mean, he's, he's a one on a lot of teams. I mean, he's not the, the stud lockdown that you want. Like you lost JC Jackson. He's not the JC Jackson, but I think he's very comparable, um, comparable to um, Gilmore. Sean Wade and Terrence Mitchell probably are guys that not many people know. Sean Wade's a, a beast. Um, Terrence Mitchell's also really good. And then just real quick, Kyle Duggar is the, the strong safety. Kyle Duggar's he's a stud. A, he's a monster. He's not the best coverage dude, but he, he's almost he's almost like Blitzboy in a way. Where he, I was going to say, it sounds up. like Jamal. Yeah, he, he lays it and, down. He, he does. So him and then um, the dude that I, I really want people to take a note of is, is Adrian Phillips. He's the backup to Kyle Duggar. He's He's almost, if you took Kyle Duggar and, and took away a little bit of his power hitting and his one um, stopping ability, and you, you moved it over to his pass coverage. He's those dudes that you don't really hear of, and they're like, oh, wow, that guy's like been huh. there all game, or he comes up with a crazy pick. So Duggar, Adrian Phillips um, is where I would I would focus, and then Jabril Peppers. What is Bill Belichick going to do with That's Jabril right. Peppers? So, That's <laughs> sick. That's, That's sick. Right. I like him. Yeah, so that'll be just fun to see what he does. I'm, I'm hoping it's not one of those letdown situations where they didn't give up much for him, so they don't really feel like a need to incorporate him. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Jabril Peppers doing something funky on special teams or you have him come in and it's like, wait, is that Jabril Peppers in the slot? Like, even if yeah. it's just a distraction, like, Bill Belichick would love to do something old school that Army did in 1930s that no yeah. one remembers. Yeah, Army in 1930s was too busy with the World War, but – um that was over no here well i guess yeah we're getting into another one um no that 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 secondary is great and every time they've drafted one of those guys duggar division two lenore ryan it was just like okay we're just gonna grab this guy out of nowhere sean wade was ohio state right i think he's a buckeye big 10 i should have done more research i think he was a i think he was a, a slot corner out of ohio state but no, it's it's a really they always find guys. That's what it is. Is it's like you guys have continuously wow. lost stud corners, but it's because you guys have them in place to take over. And you know, one of the big things, J.C. Jackson was one of the biggest free agent acquisitions of the off season, and people were like, "Well, the Patriots, you know, they spent so much the year before on tight ends and wide receivers, they couldn't afford to bring him back in." It's like, well, they probably have a plan where he trusts himself defensively to find these guys. So, um, you know, you you. Yeah, you've mentioned a couple of names there. Is there any other kind of underrated players that we should keep our eye on with the Patriots? Um, underrated, I mean, mainly the the defense. Gotterchuk from the Jags that they signed, he's an absolute stud on the I think he's the end or, or maybe he moved to, to D tackle. And then you got um Red Sleeve, Judon. I mean, he's not really underrated. Everyone knows him, but I mean mm-hmm. just uh, it's gonna be I think it's gonna What'd be frustrating say? for some um judon matthew judon oh yeah he's a goat yeah and i I think it's just gonna be teams are gonna be annoyed like they think they're gonna the patriots don't have anyone on defense just because they don't have usually those big names like they'll get josh allen or they'll they'll blow up a play in the backfield and they'll they'll be like oh like those dudes are there like that d line is is really good and i mean it's just going to be really tough when you have scrambling quarterbacks so i'm just hoping they can contain and Bend, but don't break and that's been the philosophy for the last 20 years let them drive down the field let them get 70 yards hold them to a 40 yard field goal 
do that a couple of times and good things will happen. Yeah. There's one more thing that I'm going to bring up about the Patriots before we move to the Jets. Um, I was taking a look. I I know I always talk about Warren Sharp in our group chat and the stuff that he puts out, but he puts out this yearly book and it's just filled with a bunch of, of fantastic insight. Two of the things that I think have been his best um, indicators for, for a team's success is, you know, obviously say strength of schedule, everybody pays attention to, and that's a little bit based off Vegas and their win-loss records. But the, yeah. the new version of that is rest edge. And it's really like, how many weeks are you heading into a game with either better or worse rest against your opponent? You know, short weeks, guys coming up buys, guys traveling. So the Patriots... Uh, have the sixth hardest schedule coming into this uh, upcoming season and the second worst rest rest edge where 10 games out of the uh, or it's no, it's 12 games out of the 17. They'll be at a, an edge deficit. So certainly an uphill battle for those guys. But uh, you know, when, when I say that, is there anything tidbit there? Yeah. I, well, I was, I read that this morning and I was just like, I I've started to, my mind has flipped a lot on this division and we'll get into our record predictions at the end, but I, I want to have faith in Bill Belichick. That's what I'll say. But I, I'm just, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, that he can figure things out. It's, it's going to be an interesting yeah. year for sure. I got one, just one comment on that. And I think the yeah. rest rate for that, it, it comes down to preparation. I mean, if you're very true, if you're not like, it doesn't matter how much rest you have, if you don't prepare the correct way or you're not in your routine, like you normally are, it's the NFL. You're going to get exposed. So I think, that's a plus with Bill Belichick knowing what to do. The defense is, it's not a young defense. They're, they're pretty experienced. They're not, they're not overly old, but I think they know what they're doing, kind of how to get in the routine. But then it goes back to losing Ernie Adams two years yep. ago. I mean, you talk like the part of my take guys, whenever they get a Patriots dude on, they always talk about Ernie Adams because he's such a fascinating person. Like he, he has things that like he never would have, Imagine they always talk about him when the Malcolm Butler interception in the Super Bowl against the Hawks. That was his call. He told Malcolm Butler about that like two days before the Super Bowl. That one comment that he made won them the Super Bowl. So not having that guy that's been in around football for 80 years anymore might kind of come back and, and bite him a little bit in that regard. But it comes back to, to everything. I'll just trust Bill Belichick will get the team ready on a short week more than I trust them on a shorter week more than more than I do on a, a longer week because they might like Matt Jones and the and the younger dudes might not know how to handle the the longer buy against an experienced team or something. They're more likely to snap right into shape after yeah the Thursday night against or a Sunday night against the Bills. You go into a Thursday night or a, a Sunday night game against the Rams or something like that where they know they there's no time to stop. You got to keep the foot on the gas the whole time, even if they do get blown out or or whatnot. There's I trust them to be able to turn it around. Definitely. All right. Well, Teddy, I, I want us to move on to the Jets now. And before we get to to you talking about them, I, I want to pose this to, to Mike first. Then I want to hear Scott after as well, too. You know, we talk every week about the Jets and this was an off season that was very exciting for Jets fans. It was a lot of free agent signings that people were really happy about, uh, you know, uh, paying a lot of money for a strong guard, you know, um, bringing in a, a safety like Jordan Whitehead. And then in the draft, you know, three first round picks, they go get Brees Hall. You know, it's, it's been a, 
a buzz of kind of an off season for the jets. And, and, you know, Teddy and I might have dwindled our expectations a little bit as we get closer to the season, but this off season was like a, a look at the jets. They're out there doing stuff. They're making moves. Mike, does any of that reach you as a bills fan that's, you know, seen the jets year after year, just be what they have been, especially recent history. Like when you take a look and, and you hear about all that stuff, is it, it's the jets. I don't want to hear any of it. Or are you like, yeah, maybe they are doing something. I think they are building something. Um, I don't know if I had the expectations that I was this year was going to be able to come to fruition because um, right. it still hinders on, you know, Zach pretty much everything they're doing. Like I love Brees Hall. I love Garrett, Garrett Wilson. You know, they made a lot of, a lot of good moves and there's a lot of excitement around them, but it does just comes down to Zach Wilson. So until I see him, you know, do it, I feel like that's kind of when I'll start to think about it. Um, but I do think they're building something. His injury and the Beckton stuff really kind of, stunk i guess coming into the season because right. you know, i was definitely look i was uh we'll talk about it in the standings but i was you know we'll, we'll talk about in the standings yeah um, <laughs> i like it little tease, little tease there yeah scott, yeah but i definitely think that they, they're they'll be they'll be on the up and up scott what do you think um it's a lot similar to the the bill Belichick with why believe in why stop believing in them kind of the same as the jets even though i mean they have made the turn it seems like they pretty much completed the turn of from the downswing to the upswing i mean you can't say nothing good things about joe douglas i mean he what are the bad moves he's made i'm not a jet fan i'm curious to what what you guys would consider a bad move but i mean you look at his good moves i mean trading jamal adams i mean it's probably one of the, the biggest fleecings that i can remember i mean getting two first rounds for a an older blitzing safety it, it seems really good i mean just the draft picks have seemed to at least hit or they're not whipped. And then the signings, it seems like the Jets are actually a destination that teams won't write off. Like where I think the last takeout last year, but five to 10 years previously, it's like you have someone who wants to be on a contender or even aspirations of a team contending. You're crossing the Jets, you're crossing the Dolphins, you're crossing the Bills, like you're crossing all those teams off the list. Now it seems like all those teams are and Jets, I mean, you know, we're focusing on is like team people are getting te- uh, players are gonna be like, well, yeah, I mean, it seems like they've got a different culture. I, I guess that's kind of a good way of putting it. It seems like everything switched with starting with Joe Douglas. So that's it's not as bad as it normally is. But like Mike said, until they do actually start to do it, I'm not gonna put too much stock into it, but I'm more nervous than I have been previously, definitely. See, Teddy, isn't that good to hear? No, that's- it is. And I, I think <laughs> it's interesting that like I mean, you kind of nailed it. Like, I mean, obviously you're not a Jets fan, but, but that is it. It's like, I mean, both of you, the obviously expectations are high, but you know, Zach Wilson still got to do it. We still have all these young players who maybe they take two or three years to really hit their stride. You know, it's not like everyone is really great their first year. And then Scott, I mean, like, that's exactly what it's been is, is as rough as these past years have still been, Joe Douglas is the one giving me and all the rest of the Jets fans the confidence to be like, Hey, I think something good is about to happen, you know? So I think you nailed it there, but it's interesting to, that you even have that perspective being detached from it compared to what I live and breathe every day. Yeah. yeah I'm not completely <laughs> detached. I'm right. I, I am friends with you. So I, I do get to hear it. You do get to hear me. I forget that we talk. Yeah. yeah, every day. Um, Teddy, taking a look at the Jets, and I guess taking a look at, in the division specifically, is there any 
position group or um, area of the team where you're like, this is where we stand out amongst these other teams? Yeah, I was intrigued when I read this question that you put on our little prep sheet here, but I, I don't think so. No, I don't no? I don't think there's any position groups that you can say definitively the Jets have the best of them. Um, I think D-line is the best bet, especially if you're talking like, okay, who has the best like eight D-linemen or nine D-linemen, the deepest. I think that's probably easily the Jets, but when you're just talking about like the first, even like six guys, I mean, the bills and Patriots guys have just done it. And dolphins have just done it and proved it more than any of these jets guys have, you know, obviously I think Carl Lawson's going to be a stud. I think Quinn and Williams is going to hopefully develop into a game changer, but they have to actually do that for, for me to actually say like, okay, I think they're the best in this division. I would um, say running back. See, that was my next point. So I like that you yeah. brought that up. Yeah. Um, when not a lot of great ones. Brees Hall and Michael Carter to, you know, the Patriots with Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Bills, Singletary, um, James Cook, the rookie, and Zach Moss. And then the Dolphins with, with, you know, Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. I think you can make the argument for sure. But I don't, again, kind of like with I have to see it, like I think Harris, Damian Harris and Ramon J. Stevenson for the Patriots have been too good of running backs for me to say like this second year player and this first year player we haven't seen yet are better, you know, and and that probably just comes from from just the fact that they're like younger and haven't been playing. Um, so I think that's more of just like a respect thing because I actually do think Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson are both really really good um, mm -hmm. I'm big fans of them even though they're on the Patriots so so yeah I really don't I I, I don't think the Jets are there yet but I think like obviously you know D-line's the first one that comes to mind running back they have a chance secondary is hard because the 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 um division is so stacked in like with good secondaries but I mean you do hope like if Sauce Gardner can be like the best, you know, then that would be fire. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I think our, the division's a lot better than the jets. Unfortunately. Yeah. And that's where I was kind of, I was posing it to get you to say none just to talk about and, and, you know, we'll get into, I guess, our thoughts on the teams um, and how they'll fare this season, but you're right. There are certain position groups. I'm, I'm I'll throw out there too, because I, I don't know, you know, we'll have to wait and see what it looks like, but from what I've heard, the offensive line in, in New England isn't, you know, as, as strong and consistent as it's always been. And there's some guys that, you know, you trade away Shaq Mason for a late round pick. Some other guys aren't living up to their expectations. Hopefully Cole Strange stops, steps in there as a solid rookie. But, you know, the Jets invested a lot in their offensive line, whether it be early draft picks or free agency, changes a little bit without having a healthy Becton. Um, and then, you know, replacing him with a 38-year-old Dwayne Brown. But, you know, that's one position group that I look at too, where it's like, man, hopefully if they can really start to string things together and get healthy, maybe they can have a strong offensive line. Cause it's not like the division has, you know, a specific elite offensive line. Um, so that's one that I'd give them to. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. That's again, I mean, it's, I feel like with the jets, it's just the, you got to go out and show me, you know, we can all be hyped, but these guys got to actually do it. So maybe they will be good. God, damn, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> 
we, we talk so much about the Jets, so I don't really know if there's anything else that you want to include on this, an underrated player. We've talked about basically everybody on this team at this point. Um, is there anything, yeah. you know, that you've seen with the 53 that came out? Or I'm, what, what I mean, you, I think anything new right now, in? right now, the clear underrated player to watch is Michael Clemens, you know, defensive yeah. lineman. Where's number 72 for Mike and Scott? Keep your eyes on him. Any Bills, Pats, Pats Dolphins fans that are listening. Um, only other guy I wanted to kind of throw out there. Uh, we're not really getting into like the roster cuts, but Blake, we've talked a lot about um, Jamie and Sherwood and Hams and Nazareth Dean, both guys drafted as linebackers last year. Um, Nazaldean got cut, but Sherwood, I mean, he's been playing middle linebacker. I've had my eye on him. He's had a very good camp and has gotten better um, mm-hmm. and is still on the team, didn't get cut. And, you know, CJ Mosley is who knows if he's going to be on the team next year. So I think he's just like a guy, if he can step up and even just be like a, a depth piece this year, who's actually touching the field in meaningful moments, I think that could be a really good sign. So someone to watch. There were a lot of interesting cuts that they ended up making. We don't need to go into all of them, but I mean, as shocking as like Bam played deservingly so for that RB3 role in preseason, I just never thought that they would cut ties with Tevin Coleman just based off of his experience in that offense. Um, so not having Tevin Coleman around is a crazy cut to make and some other decisions too. So um, I see you frantically searching something. Did I? I just are we did missing not know anything we cut here? Tevin Coleman. Yeah. Yep. Bam Knight. I knew that uh, we cut. Uh, I knew that we cut a uh, P Ryan, but I was not aware. But good. I like Zonovan Knight Coleman. a lot. Yep. So so good Coleman good cut. Question. Mims keeps it. Uh, you know, on the depth chart, probably a trade at some point. Even though the coaching staff seems to hold on to him, but we've got uh, uh plenty of time to talk about the Jets. Um, let's oh, transition. Yeah, I think to- this is where I'm going to Chris Collinsworth my way into the host chair slide my way in go right ahead i'm gonna ask you a few questions blake let's hear it rattle them off yeah before you before you head out i'm cj mosley he was like really good wasn't he like a couple years ago what's his deal like contract wise and playing he's he was really good he was like a veteran we signed him he played on the ravens was awesome he was good he's been good with the jets definitely i think he got injured his first year um and then he played last year he was definitely good, but he just, and especially on like this bad team, he was, um, you know, got a lot of tackles, makes a lot of plays. The guy kind of like, he's the guy who's kind of like knocking a guy out after he had an 11 yard run or something like that, you know, where he's making the play, but it wasn't like, it was like a really outstanding play. Um, I think he's fine, but I just think he's getting older. He's kind of getting worse as every year goes on. And, I believe the Jets have an out after this year. So I, I don't expect them to re-sign him. So I think if a player like Jamie Sherwood could actually step up and grab that role, that would obviously be huge. Would he be a potential trade piece to a contender? Like, would, like I, I don't know him at all. Like, I don't think so. To, like, He's not, too, not with the contract. Yeah, and like the leadership – that he brings. Well, and, like, I feel like he's bought in with Salah, with the young guys. Like, I feel like he's just very like in it. And people don't care about, about linebackers anymore. People don't care about linebackers anymore. We've talked about this a lot, Teddy. It's, it's the yeah. running back of the defense. Now it just seems everybody either wants a great secondary or a front defensive line. I mean, there are good linebackers in the game, you know, Shaq Leonard on the Colts and, and there's a lot of good ones, but I don't know. It just seems like teams don't care as much anymore. You load up on those DNs. You, you yeah, exactly. Just keep bringing pressure up front. 
All right, Ty, all right, Blake. Take it over. So King. here's the deal with the Miami Dolphins. All right, and I think that as a Jets fan, for all Jets fans out there, we always want to hope that the Dolphins are going to stink. You know, I we all know you don't like Tua. He may not be the best, but what do they do this year? They bring in freaking Tyreek Hill, one of the best receivers in the league. They got Jalen Waddle. They got Mike McDaniel in as head coach. Um, I mean, I guess just to start off, where do you stand on the Dolphins? Do you, do you, do you have high hopes? Do you think they're going to be better than people think, worse than people think? Where do you kind of land on these guys? NFL has NFL offenses have transitioned into two ways. And it's kind of like what we talked about earlier. It's like, if you have a superstar quarterback, that's instantly you're taking your team into title contention. Um, And if you don't NFL teams have just decided it's like, okay, well, we're just going to make life as easy for you as possible. And, and, you know, we talked about this a little bit with Mac Jones and how they've spent money. It it maybe hasn't been in the necessarily right places, but to for what he's worth is, a, a decent enough quarterback. You know, obviously I liked other guys way more than him coming into the league, but it was never a, he is, you know, a third round pick. I, I viewed him as a guy that you take in the first round, but I thought there were two other quarterbacks that were way better than him. So to take a look at the dolphins this season, I I'm starting to get a little worried because I just, I don't know if NFL defenses are going to be prepared on how to defend both Tyreek and Jalen Waddle at the same time. Like usually you just keep a, a second guy over the top of the defense for, for Tyreek Hill. It's like you have your guy short, you have your guy deep, just you've got two guys blanketed over Tyreek. But you've got a guy that's younger and just as fast on the opposite side now. And, you know, Mike McDaniel is one of the smartest minds in football. He knows how to, you know, he's he, he ran an offense that made an average quarterback or an above average quarterback, whatever you want to call Jimmy G, you know, a team that was advancing to the Super Bowl and making deep playoff runs. Now you got Tua, you add in two speedsters. I I don't think Tua is going to be this world beater, um, but the NFL has shown that you don't need to have an elite uh, quarterback to win. You just need to make sure that your mid quarterback has a lot of weapons around him. And this is going to be a duo. If they can stay healthy, that's the one thing is like, these are two kind of receivers that you know, Tyreek's getting up there in age. You worry about his hamstring injury history. Waddle's also had a few injuries as well, too. If you start to lose those guys and maybe they're not popping off the same way they used to, um, that's when I would say, okay, we're not going to get the Dolphins explosion that maybe I'm I'm thinking we could see offensively. But, you know, just on paper, if they're fully healthy and Mike McDaniel is getting the ball out of Tua's hands in, in two seconds or less, you know, if, if they're just going quick pass, quick pass, get the ball to those guys in open field, I think it's going to be one of the tougher um, offenses to defend in football, which is crazy to think about because of how many great quarterbacks there are in the league. And Tua is just not that. Yeah, I think that's really interesting perspective, especially from you knowing that you're not a big Tua guy. Um, I think bringing up what Mike McDaniel was able to do with Garoppolo is a really strong point, just with a quarterback who maybe isn't as dynamic as other guys in the league. Um Jumping to you, Mike, as as the Bills guy, you know, the Bills are the team to beat in this division. Um, obviously, the Patriots have kind of they were the team you overtook. But you still got Belichick. Um, but when you look at this Miami team, obviously, with the quarterback situation, with the receivers that they were able to add, you know, the addition of Tyreek Hill. Do you view Miami as a better team than New England when you think about who's going to give the Bills the biggest threat in this division or where do you kind of land on that? 
Yeah, hands down. But Miami is probably the biggest the biggest threat. Really? And pretty much for all the points that Blake just said, you know. Um, but I do think, you know, there's still a lot of unknown with the new coach. There's always that, you know, we kind of talked about earlier, you That's know, the adju- adjustment period. And I think, you know, having two, two is going to be, I think, functional in this offense. You know, those short yard passes. I mean, McDaniels has raved about the most catchable accurate ball he's ever seen now whether <laughs> that whether was actually a crazy quote yeah whether that's true or not but i mean he still said it so yeah yeah you no know, we'll, we'll we'll in that sense you know i think it'll be interesting to be able to stay in games but i do think in order to win these games i think it's going to be like you need the quarterback you know and i think it comes down to who can make more plays yeah. and i was going through the schedule and you know, there's a lot of games they could easily just lose because they don't have that, you know, in crunch time when you got to ad lib and you can't just go off of what the coach is calling, you know, are they going to be able to do that? And that's, that's where I kind of, uh, you know, give me, give me a little pause for the Dolphins. Yeah. But still, even with all that pause, putting them over the Patriots, huh? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and based, I guess... I feel like based on the tone of this podcast with, you know, Scott Stone <laughs> earlier with the Patriots, no, they're, that's funny. They're going in two different directions, you know, in terms of, um, you know, trajectory of the team. Yeah, and and you know, going over to Scott, I don't, I don't want to just make it the conversation of who's better, you know, Dolphins versus Miami, because obviously I think I know who, or Dolphins versus New England, because I think I know who Scott's gonna say. Um, but just again, in general, kind of the same question, Scott. Like, like, where do you land with this Dolphins team? with everything they've added. I mean, to me, it's one of the biggest like question marks, biggest in intriguing stories going into the season is how is this Dolphins offense going to look like, you know, where do you, what do you think about them? Yeah. I think like when I was living with you or or very close with you hearing all the jet stuff, you you get a little peek behind the curtain, things that the normal fan wouldn't see. And I'm in that position with, with AP down here, my roommate, that's a Dolphins fan. So I get a lot of, different dolphin stuff and it's it's impossible to ignore the positive things that they're doing so i mean jalen waddle i'm a huge jalen waddle fan tyreek hill speaks for himself um i mean the running backs chase Edmonds. i mean they got the san francisco oc who made it absolutely miserable to defend the run so if you have even if you get even three three quarters of of what they had in san fran and you tie that in with um you have, um, I don't say Kittle, uh, Gisecki, who might get traded, but he's there right now. And then you have Tyreek and you have Waddle. It, I mean, it makes it really, really tough. You're pretty much make it as um, very similar to the Patriots. You make it as hard as possible for Tua to make a bad decision. Just yeah. get it in, get it out. Um, I do have two things I do want to say about the Dolphins. One thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing all of the Tua Ducks, even the slow-mo Tua end-over-end kick <laughs> pass. <laughs> Give me all of those slow mo videos of that, and then it will be an extremely dark day if we ever see Tua raise the Lombardi Trophy. I might have to retire as a football fan <laughs> if that ever happens. Um, those are my my two what to watch for 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 the Dolphins. And that's the thing with the Dolphins and with Tua specifically is like, if if this was a say he was in the draft class with Kyler Murray, you know, take out Kyler Murray out of that draft class and put Tua in. Tua's the best quarterback of that draft class, but it's the fact that he's got Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, you know, both right around him. Obviously, Herbert goes a pick after, and it's just like you're you're tied to who you're drafted next to, and those two guys, 
you know, you would take them as, as two of the, two of the first names that would go off the board. If you were drafting just an entire NFL team, you know, put everybody in free agency, those two guys are going at the top of the board and uh, two would be going a lot further down. So it's, it's tough that he gets compared to those guys, but Alabama, all the winning he had, um, you know, all of the hype that was built around him. So many people were, were, you know, banging the drum that he was the best quarterback in this class. And it's, it just hasn't panned out the way that you would think so far. And, you know, he's been banged up before he played for a head coach that didn't have the most uh, progressive offensive scheme. So you think, okay, maybe this is the year where you take that jump. But when you just look at the start to the careers that Burrow and Herbert have had, it's, it's just like, you can't even compare those. And this year's going to be big for him too, because Huge. You're, you've already seen, you know, a team that's willing to, you know, give up draft picks to get a quarterback that is going to win. Like mm-hmm. I saw something last night that I think Lamar, you know, and like put some Instagram that he's interested in Miami. Like if he doesn't, you know, I think he likes an Instagram picture of him in Miami Jersey or something like that. Like you know, those, those little, uh, you know, rumors and stuff, you know, they get to him. So, it's kind of like, I think this, after this year, you know, might be the end of Tua. Yeah, yeah I agree one. there. And I think, I think, uh, I mean, all the Brady stuff, like they, they showed their hand, you know, they tried to do that. They tried right. to make an upgrade at quarterback and, you know, it's kind of been the story of this Dolphins team the past three years, but it really kind of is like, it, it's, it's kind of like reminiscent of the Broncos at this point, you know, it's like, they have the team are they going to have the quarterback, you know? And I think they're, they're definitely one of those teams to me that, that at least seems to be a good quarterback away from really being a a contender. Who do you guys think has the most pressure this year? Like probably Josh Allen, take him out of it. Um, Like Tua or Mac, like who do you think has the most pressure to, to have? I think Tua just because of the timing. I think, you know, if Tua doesn't have a great year, especially with the receivers, he'd be out of there. Whereas Mac could probably have a subpar year and still easily have another year. But I also do think that it, it's kind of hard to envision Tua not being the quarterback with, you know, the, the, it's, it's hard to envision him having like a really bad year with the guys he has is my biggest problem there. But mm-hmm. I, I would th- I would say Tua. If you go, if you take out Zach Wilson, the injury, I would say out of those three people, I would say almost maybe Wilson has the most pressure. Um, I think you can yeah. make an argument for that. I think you can make an argument for that with all the offseason moves that the Jets have made. I'm sure you guys have talked about it, but I would, I can see it that way as well. If, if, Tua and Zach Wilson have really, really bad seasons and don't show any signs of progression. I could see both teams moving on from them. If yeah. if you make those upgrades in Miami offensively and you're like, we're going to go from this team that it just wins with defense and we're just going to switch that entirely with a new coach, offensive philosophy and weapons. If he doesn't take a step forward, you have it. it kind of a sizable step forward too. Cause it wasn't like he was just an average quarterback. Like there were games where they were going to Jacoby Brissett and the year before they were going to Ryan Fitzpatrick, Zach Wilson, the same way we've talked about this. If the jet season doesn't go well, I'm, I, I just, there's too many good quarterbacks coming up in this draft and guys that could be available, you know, via trade or free agency. However, that goes where you're just like, man, I, Sometimes you just got to say we we messed up. We got to try again and buy ourselves some more time to build. So I would say both those guys are really playing this year for their jobs. 
And I don't think Max Jones has any pressure, to be for being honest. His rookie season bought him time. Yeah, and I was just about the to other, say all the that. other uh, all the news that's coming out of camp. Like they're not, you, no one's going to blame Mac, right? The offensive coordinator stuff. Like that's a good point. Mac showed he could he could perform last year. So and we talked about the weapons and stuff. Like yeah, uh, in terms of pressure, like I feel like he almost kind of can, unless he's like really bad. Obviously, do you I agree think, with that, Scott? Think, yeah, I would, I would say Tua. I mean, it's different, I think, when you're talking about your own team because, like, I have certain expectations in, like, leaving the Patriots universe to, like, look at the other teams. Like, if if Tua and Zach Wilson have years, I'm like, and they all hit their own expectations, like, I'll be like, well, damn, look at those guys. Like, Mac needs to do better to get over – to beat those teams. So, it's I kind of do more of a comparison – that question was more like team, like per player specific. But if, if Mac Jones hits his expectations, but Tua and Zach Wilson exceed their expectations, it's all going to be on Mac Jones. So like he has, he has the pressure to hit, like be par. Like if he goes par and par this year is higher than par was last year. Like if he continues to improve, he'll escape a lot of the criticism with like Mike mentioned, or I think Mike mentioned the, the OC changing and, the new additions yeah. and some of that stuff. So he does have a little bit of a pass, but I mean, it's still the Patriots. Like they still have the stigma about him. Like if, if they don't advance in the playoffs this year, it's going to be like, well, what, what happened the last three years? That's when I think the pressure will really start to hit. Yeah. Um, if not Mac, it'll hit. It'll, it'll cause some change. Hopefully if that's the, if the season ends poorly, like we're, we're kind of talking about, but I think too, we it, don't, I mean, He's got to. He's got to do something. I mean, they got to do something with them. We don't need to go into it too far. And and obviously, he's bought himself so much time with the success that they've had. But like you just said, there, those last three years, there, we know there was already a a rift between the Kraft Belichick relationship that centered around Brady. It's gonna be really interesting if this is a huge step back this year, and it's just like, where is this team going? And you've got a very old head coach. How does Kraft look and say, we want to get back to winning? So it's, it's, we don't need to go into a full conversation on that, but it is interesting where it's like things go south. What, what is the, you know, next two to three year outlook look like for the New England Patriots? Are we going to the standings next? Let's go. Yeah. Let's, uh, anything else on, on the Dolphins? I'm good. No. Okay, cool. I, the only thing I'd, I'd say is um, interested to see how they look on defense because, um, you know, no. there's so many coaches that make a defense good. And Brian Flores went to Miami and instantly made them ferocious on defense. They got they got guys that I like. You know, they bring in Melvin Ingram. Got a good secondary, like we were saying, with Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, who's going to be out for a little bit. They've drafted some young guys. Javon Holland out of Oregon at safety. Um, and, and who's the uh, – the fucking edge rusher. It is uh, Jalen Phillips out of Miami first round pick last year, but um, just going to be an interesting season for them. And uh, let's go ahead. Then we're going to do some, some stat predictions and then go into our win totals. All right. And take two technical difficulties. My computer massively fucked up last night. What Teddy, what was that for? Right as I unmuted, I made a crazy noise with my mouth. I don't know if I didn't, you guys could I hear didn't, it. It was I didn't right as I unmuted it and it went like. <laughs> We're on the fritz right now, boys. Uh, we are recording this a day after um, you the, the part that you just listened to uh, cut out. 
my computer it just took a, a giant poo poo um we lost the audio if you guys wanted we could just play the video part and try and mimic whatever we were saying beforehand but um anyways we're back here recording on wednesday night podcast coming out september 1st uh really where it cut out we were just getting into our predictions had already talked through the team so boys we are just gonna rip it to our standings get the fuck out of here and uh and call it a day so we're gonna go uh first through fourth in the division record predictions and will they or won't they make the playoffs mike let's start with you all right so first place i got bills 14 and three uh, they're going to make the playoffs, AFC, number one seed in the AFC. Um, I think they drop the three games to the Dolphins in week three, um, the Packers, and then probably the, the Pats last week of the uh, season. You got Finns, nine and eight, not making the playoffs, just squeaking out. I think they have a better year, but, you know, just just miss it. Uh, Pats in third, seven and ten, no playoffs, and Jets at six and 11. I do see a scenario where the Pats – could be worse than the Jets, but the uh, the Zach Wilson news kind of puts me a little bit more down on the Jets. Yeah, hey, I I we did this yesterday, um, and it didn't save. We are pretty aligned on that, so I I fuck with it. But uh, Scott, send it over to you. Uh, how do you have things rolling on the AFC East? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I went a little different than Mike in terms. Of Mike said he wasn't biased. I don't know if he said it, but he said it last night. Um, I went extremely biased on these rankings. Um, I have the Bills 12 and 5. Um, I'm just really hoping that the Bills can lose two games in division, one to the Pats, one to the Defense. I hope they have some other bullshit losses. So I'm really hoping the that Jets. They, um, the Jets don't really stand a chance against the Bills. Um, other than that, I've got the Patriots um, coming up in second, uh, 10 and 7. I do have them making the playoffs. That's part of the homer pick um, because, to be honest, I really don't know if I believe that the Patriots or not even just the Patriots, 10 and 7, probably doesn't get you into the playoffs in the AFC this year. Everyone's just too stacked over in the West side. Um, the second or uh, third, I have the Pat or the Finns finishing at, at 10 and 7 as well. The Patriots have the tiebreakers. So that's why they're in the playoffs over the Finns. Um, the Finns are really good. They make me a little nervous. We've, we've touched on that earlier. Um, I just still think they're the Finns. The Patriots should just always beat the Finns and be ahead of the Finns um, in the in the standings. And then to round it out, the Jets at seven and ten. Um, again, I'm not sure if I'm I'm reiterating what I said earlier, but the the Jets at seven and ten, I feel like would be their expectations. I think that's the bar. Um, six and six and eleven, you're looking at it like yeah, it's an okay year. They did what they had to do. Seven and ten, I think that's going to be the ultimate like curve up. Let's start building on something. I, I do think they they probably have that in them with with the new the new management with the way Douglas has been doing things, um, but not making the playoffs, never going to make the playoffs ever again, seven and 10 to round it out. I like it. Teddy, what do you, what do you think here in seven and 10 there? I know well, you're going to get into your picks. up what he said. I was going to, I was going <laughs> to say, I agree with him for a lot of what he said about the, the jets, but um, so number one, I got the bills. I have them at 13 and four. I just think they're going to kind of run things. Um, probably be the number one seed in the AFC. Excuse me. I got the hiccups. Um, for me, I'm just a little lower on the division, I guess, and I want to be biased and have the Jets at second. So I got the Jets in second place, finishing with a record of eight and nine. Um, you know, not a winning record, but I do think that if the Jets can step up to eight wins this year, I mean, that's a huge step, in my opinion, from where they were last year, hovering around around 500. Um, I, I agree with what Scott said about their kind of expectations being around seven wins. Um, but you know, I think if they, 
if things break break right for them a little bit, I think they can get to eight and nine. Then I have the Finns at eight and nine. I think kind of a similar story. I think they're going to be a good team, but you know, tough. Sc- I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> tough schedule. I got a lot of losses, <laughs> and I'll finish it off with the Pats seven and ten. First time they're going to be bad in a while god damn it fuck you mac jones and let's go over and i'll stop talking now this is hilarious so teddy always burps during normal episodes because we're usually drinking or he just has to burp and and tonight it's the hiccups so i'm glad we got to get to get a glimpse of that we wouldn't have gotten this see if the audio you know had worked perfectly yesterday so (laughs) yeah and you're muting yourself for most of them it's just when you have to talk that it's fucked but all right teddy uh we I gave you shit for it. I'll still give you shit for it. Second in the division for the Jets is kind of funny. I understand, you know, wanting to kind of fade the rest of the division. I'm fading a couple of the teams, but um, I don't know. It's it's the Dolphins have really scared me the last few weeks, as I've already, you know, reiterated. But um, how I have the division falling out, same first place team as everybody else, 14 and three with the Bills, uh, same as what Mike had predicted. Um, second place, I'm, I'm buying into the Dolphins, 10 and seven, going four and two in the division. That offense is going to be a nightmare to deal with. And they don't need two to be great. They just need them to be average. Uh, third place, one and five in the division. They got the tiebreaker uh, with over the fourth place Jets. That's the New England Patriots at third. Um, really, when it came down to rest edge, strength of schedule, and all of the shenanigans, I, I just, I, I'm just going to sell it and. The downfall is going to happen at some point for the dynasty, just like at some point Brady's going to take a step back. Belichick is going to kind of phase out of out of the NFL, and I'll just say maybe it happens this year. And then the Jets, uh, like I said, tied for fourth place uh, at six and eleven. There um, for the first twelve weeks, I think I had them going like one and ten or two and nine, whatever it ended up being. But it's going to be kind of like last year, where it was really lousy, and then you know the team had some wins late in the season, rattled things off where it was building hope for the next year. Um, but that's how I have things folding out. We're pretty much on the same page, you know, first place. We're a little spread on Dolphins and the rest. But anything else that you guys want to add in before we uh, we, we send things away? I'm just good. Yeah. good? I'm just look, looking, forward, looking forward to football, man. It's been, it's been a long last six months. It has. Teddy. Yeah, boys, I'm happy we did this. We got the the group chat and even we got the group chat together. And even with some te- technical difficulties, <laughs> I think we put together an all right episode. So, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah I can't wait to uh, to do it again. Yeah, I'm looking impressed. forward to the next one. Exactly. I'm impressed with us being able to do two nights in a row. We, we made it available Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Chasing 69. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore Chasing 69. Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. Mike and Scott, I don't know if you guys even care about putting your Twitters out there. I don't know if you need to. Scott Graham 3 or Scott Graham 333. A lot of Dion Waiters content there. The go. Don't bet on yourself and double down. There you go. I got no ads. Uh, I got nothing to promote. I'm good. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. See you.